sitting with our spine straight. Upright and also relaxed. the floor or the chair. And just holding our attention there for some moments, feeling the support of the ground.
reflect for a few moments on the times in our life when problems arose, we became upset, maybe railing against the problem, or the people that caused problems. fighting against the problem. So reacting in that way didn't help. Understanding and with a good perspective, or were the thoughts agitated, obsessive, disturbed? approach didn't help to resolve the issue in a positive and constructive way. Did it just make you miserable and upset?
problem arose and then we accepted it peacefully with a calm, balanced mind. conducive way to find a constructive way would we choose? What would we like to cultivate more? Which way will contribute to greater peace and happiness for ourselves? strong determination to cultivate that way.
genre of teaching so relevant to life, right? So useful to life, right? Because, right, I mean, we just encounter difficult circumstances and problems all the time, right? Day after day, whether it's traffic or difficult people or people who aren't listening or people who are not inconsiderate or, right, or unfairly, you know, treating us unfairly, right? It just goes on and on and on. And yeah, and, and I was thinking, you know, oftentimes we think that, you know, we shouldn't have problems, right? That if we do everything right, then there's no problems should occur. And so we don't really necessarily put a lot of effort into trying to figure out how to better deal with problems. It just I shouldn't have problems, so you know. So it's much easier to just kind of rail against them and resist them and all of that. Yeah. But you know, one of the, you know, the uncomfortable truths, you know, that the Dharma as well as other spiritual systems has found is that problems are are just part of life as an un nature of samsara, we're going to have problems, you know, we're going to not get what we want, and we'll encounter things we don't like, and, you know, and things are going to change, you know, if things are going really well now, it's, you know, it's not going to be permanent, right? So, this is, yeah, so, so that understanding, you know, having a deep understanding and expectation that problems will continue to come is helpful. It's helpful. Right. And so, yeah, so if we've, as we've been talking about, when problems come, we can rail against them, struggle against them, resist them, become angry, become depressed, become distraught. We can latch out, we can complain to all of our friends, we can feel sorry for ourselves. But none of none of those modes of handling the situation will truly help. Right? Like really help. I mean Having a friend to talk to about things, right? Okay, that that can be comforting, right? 
not saying we shouldn't do that. We need we need our you know, our support. Yeah, but staying in the this is so unfair, this is so bad kind of frame just makes us unhappy and upset, and it doesn't help us solve the issue, resolve the issue. And so it's useful if we can learn to accept accept the problems peacefully with a clear mind, and even, you know, if we can, with a heart that's open and curious and interested in the other party's perspective, right, if there's another person involved. Oftentimes, I notice, you know, that, I mean, especially if we're in the midst of a mental affliction about it, right, if we're in the midst of anger, annoyance, right, there's no curiosity about, oh, I wonder why they did that. having a bad day. There's there's this like built-in block in the mind, right? When we're irritated, right? That there's there's it's hard to break down that block that's interested in what's going on with the other person. That's a useful way to try to break down that block and open up our words. Oh, what's going on? Oh, what's going on? Like looking at many different angles. Right? Instead of, oh, what that person did to me, what happened to me, that gets us stuck in drilling down into a disturbing emotion. But if we can expand our perspective and look, you know, look from a bird's eye view, then the affliction, the mental disturbance reduces. Right? And then when we can calm down our mind and see more the various perspectives, then we're much more likely to find a solution, right? a constructive solution. So how, however way we handle problems, right, or if we struggle against them, or if we yeah, handle it with a peaceful mind, or even welcoming problems, seeing the benefit of problems, right, really depends on how, how much we've trained our minds, what habits we've developed with our minds. And whether we become happier or unhappy depends on our mental attitude. It doesn't depend so much on the external circumstances. You know, the external circumstance, of course, contributes. But whether we remain happy or become unhappy depends on our mental attitude. Yeah, and our, the strength of our practice, right? Because we can have very good intentions, but just it can just be too hard, right? So, yeah. But, you know, but trying, trying is useful. And 
and then it becomes easier over time. Trying not to fall down into a hole, fall down into anger, etc. So there's this. You've probably all heard this. This uh, in Buddhism, they talk about what is it? The difference between pain and suffering in some circles, right? And pain is inevitable in samsara. But all of the railing against the resistance to whatever's happening creates the suffering, creates the mental unhappiness, the, the mental suffering. So, like one teacher said, it's the resistance that causes the suffering. Like it's the resistance that causes the unhappiness. So yeah, so really working with our resistance can be useful. Like Charm said, right? Because yeah, there's a lot of yeah. Unfortunate circumstances in life. A lot of shenanigans happening. <laughs> and uh to learn to, to have a peaceful coexistence with those while also trying to affect positive change. So we can learn to use to transform problems into the path into constructive action, into spiritual growth. It's not easy, of course. Right? It's, it's a challenge. What's the alternative? So when problems occur, right? so in the, the practice of transforming problems into happiness, when problems occur, um, we can use the problems in a constructive way, right? In a way to create more positive karma, in a way to finish the negative So one, one useful way to think about problems Samsara is flawed. Samsara, <laughs> right? samsara is, you know, the the wonderful pleasures of samsara, right? The the great food and the great times, and the, yeah, the money and the success and the possessions, the beautiful house, all of that. None of those things will bring us lasting happiness. Problems will continue to come as long as we're in samsara. So, problems can be used to deepen our motivation to practice, to do dharma practice. Right? 
deepen our motivation to transform our minds, to find inner freedom. We can't rely on external circumstances to bring us that lasting well-being. The external circumstances No, there's this, right. So, say food. <laughs> food. I'm looking forward to a good meal, right? You know, if I put all my hopes into food to bring me happiness, right? So I go and I get a good meal. Mmm. And then that gives me satisfaction for half an hour, right? And then, it's like, oh, now I want, oh, let's have some dessert. <laughs> oh, let's have a cheesecake, a piece of chocolate. Mmm, yeah, mmm, oh, that's so good. And then, oh, you know, let's see if there's a good movie, right? On TV, oh, yeah, so, movie, and, Movie is much less reliable to bring happiness in my experience, right? It might make me feel worse. But, um, yeah, and then, there's the movie, and then something else. We want something else. Oh, and then let's have some popcorn. And then something else. Then we want something else. And 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 then we want something else. The focus on the external. Right, the external will never, there will never be a time when the external will bring final satisfaction. It'll just be something else that we want, right? I get a promotion, I get more money, and then I want something else. Well, I want more money. Oh, then I have to go buy something to treat myself. And then I want to buy something else. And then after a while, I want more money. Oh, and then after a while, I need a vacation. Right? And then, vacation. Okay, then, right? And then, on and on and on, right? So, problems can help us, you know, remind us that the, that the external and samsara isn't the way to lasting happiness. Yeah. And so, it, they can be a great motivator to work on our mind, do our, do our dharma practice. Yeah, I mean, I have, I have a couple of friends who are getting older, you know, old, old, and the bodies are failing, right? One thing after another, and, uh, and they're dharma practitioners, right? And so, just realizing, you know, that the only thing that helps is their dharma practice. I mean, of course, they go to the doctor and they take medicine and things like that. But at a certain point, right, just, you know, nothing's going to make you perfect again, right? <laughs> right? And so it's our dharma practice. And we're all in those situations sometimes where we can't change the external. 
and the only thing that helps is to change our minds and our attitudes. So problems are a great reminder that, oh, yeah, that's right, I want to do Dharma practice because that's, that's what's going to bring true, genuine happiness, inner well-being, inner peace. A well, an unshakable well-being, you know, eventually. When things are going well, right, we forget. <laughs> we forget, and then we can easily neglect our dharma practice, and then, right, and then things change again, and then we think, oh. And then people come back to the Dharma Center. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people, right, they come to Dharma because of some suffering in their life. So problems can help us deepen our refuge, yeah, our refuge in Buddha Dharma Sangha. In relationship to what you were saying, I was just thinking about a, a woman that I went to lunch with the other day. And she's been an old, old, old friend for a really long time. And she's also a Dharma practitioner, not in this tradition. But she was saying that she and her husband did this, and then they did this, and then they did this, and then they went here. And so she was just, I hadn't seen her for several months. And so she was just going through this litany of experiences, um, travel experiences, buying things, and just going through this litany of this agenda of all of these experiences over the last few months. And I was just kind of sitting there and thinking, you know, so what? You know, I just, and, and what it did was it really made me think about practice. Um, like, I thought, well, when were you doing practice? Where was your, where was your time for practice? I guess it was never mentioned at all. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not like she was really unhappy. It wasn't like she was really suffering. It wasn't like she didn't talk about that stuff at all. Uh -huh. So I had no idea, uh -huh. you know. But what the brought up in me was that, you know, so what? Mm. It's just like, I just, it, it increased my motivation to practice mm. because I wasn't interested mm. in doing all of those things. I mean, yeah, Sam, are you going to Italy? Yeah, sure, great, fine. But ultimately, mm -hmm. so what? Mm. So it was just, it was, a reminder, but it was the other, you know, it was kind of yeah. a twist on what you were yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it, it's like one, you know, one nice experience, and then another nice experience, and then another nice experience, and then, right, it's an accumulation of nice experiences that, that just become memories, right? And then, right, there's this, I think it's Shanti Deva says, you know, it's like, and then at the end of life, Everything, like whether you had a lifetime of wonderful experiences 
for a lifetime of difficult experiences. At the end of life, it's like it's just like waking up from a dream. It doesn't, right? I mean, you know, it's just like yeah. all right. It's yeah. just like so you dreamed, you know, hundred years of difficulty or hundred years of happiness. Either way, it's the same. You're you've woken up from the dream. It's done. Yeah. So what we've done with our mind, right? And what kind of karma we've created, right? The imprints that we've created on our mind stream is what's going to continue. And whether those imprints bring about more happiness or, you know, in the future or suffering, you know, depends on what we did with our minds. The accumulation of experiences is not the important thing. It's what we've done with our minds, our body, speech, and mind. That's what really matters. It's the only thing we'll carry with us in the future. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting that the... Not that we don't want the good things, but the good things, even when they're happening, and even when they come right away, we realize that they're not bringing us what we wanted ultimately, but they also do kind of distract us and take us away from practice in a way that the challenges don't. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not that when things are going well, I think, oh, this is the answer, and like, I'm so glad, you know? It's just like those things tend to take they have a different energy, like they take you in a different way. Mm-hmm. And actually, like when I've been in relationships, it kind of gets me back to practice in a way because I realize, oh, this isn't the answer that I was mm-hmm. thinking it was going to be for the 50th time or whatever, you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but then the, the end all be all. Yeah, but it's kind of funny because it's not like, the good things bring us an ultimate satisfaction. They just carry us away from our practice in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, not. I think they don't after a certain point in a way. Mm-hmm. Maybe if it's like a big enough good thing, it might. But mm-hmm. I'm kind of mushing a bunch of things together. Yeah. But it's yeah. but it's really interesting mm-hmm. in that way because we're not finding ultimate satisfaction even in the temporary good things. Right. But they're taking us away. In a, in a sense from our practice or they're like distracting us mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. and then the, the hard things we have the chance to practice and they're pushing us to practice yeah. in a way yeah. that the, the good things don't not yeah. that I don't want the good things right. those are nice too <laughs> right. But right and we need a balance of good things right if yeah everything's hard right it's just too much yeah right yeah so there's balance but yeah I mean the it's an important point that you're making, right? None of the good things bring ultimate satisfaction, and we see that, you know? If we look, right, if we really want to see it, we, you know? But it's hard to get off of that train of constantly seeking happiness out. 
even if we're less, even if we're not really believing that it's going to bring us ultimate happiness, it's still we're constantly distracted from deeper practice. Well, it's a it's a thing to, to go make go make memories on weekends. You know, people yeah. uh, you get people call a week and then take off for the weekend to make memories. Um, it's, it's, it's like anticipatory busyness but at a really cool place yeah. and even when you even when you get there when I say you I mean well maybe me a little bit but say say you're uh, you see this band you've wanted to see for a long time and you see people there they uh, they're there but they're filming the whole time Right. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. yeah. yeah right. they're not really present, right? right. They're making, 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 the making plans right. making to upload, films, right? But not necessarily, yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, we're not, not very present. But yeah, it's, it's true. like that constant pursuit of, of pleasure. You know, it's like, oh, do I want to go out for ice cream? Or do I want to? Let's go for ice cream, right? <laughs> or do I want to do a day long retreat? Or do I want to go out? You know, I mean, well, so I, think so right? I mean, it's so, so, yeah, and it's, it's, we're constantly following the nose of attachment, you know, attachment to pleasures, you know, sense pleasures, good food, nice sounds, entertainment, right? But and, and we need to do that to a certain yeah, extent, yeah. right? Um, there's nothing but, wrong with going hiking, right? No, no, there's, there's wrong nothing wrong with it. Um, the, uh, you know, I, my, my thinking is that, right, I mean, we need to, to also prioritize our dharma so there's this, yeah, you know, our Dharma practice can only grow gradually and organically over time, right? It's not like, okay, Dharma is the answer. Let's do full-time retreat for the rest of my life, right? 24-7, right? I mean, yeah, most of us would run screaming from <laughs> that atrophy days, you know? But, um, but we can try to make Dharma practice a priority, right? To do some practice, you know, formal practice mm -hmm. each and every day, you know, whatever, right? Instead of prioritizing everything else and then fitting our Dharma practice in if we have time, mm -hmm. right? Making it a priority and, right? Scheduling in our Dharma practice, right? Our and then, you know, scheduling other things around it. Um, and the other thing, and I think, and really important for most of us, is bringing a Dharma awareness through the rest of the day, right? Because it's, yeah, we can sit down for half an hour or 45 minutes or whatever, you know, do our Dharma practice. But if we forget about Dharma, Then you know, and just fall into our afflictions. Right, right. We 
just won't see much progress, right? Like one or any, you know, <laughs> one step forward and then ten steps backwards, right? So bringing a, a dharma awareness to the rest of our lives, yeah. And that's one of the benefits of this this particular subject, transforming problems, because problems are occurring throughout the day, and trying to bring an awareness to okay how to handle this. So, right, according to the Dharma, right, happiness comes, okay, all of our suffering comes from negative karma, the disturbing emotions, and the misunderstanding of how things exist, the concrete self versus others, and then cherishing oneself most of all. So the more we cultivate that, the more problems and difficulties we'll have in life. And the more we try to create positive karma, the more we try to counteract those disturbing emotions, the more we try to remember emptiness, the more we try to cherish others in a, yeah, in a healthy way, the more seeds of happiness we're we might, might not see the positive result right then and there. Well, I mean, we won't see the ultimate result right then and there. Um, but trying to keep that overall perspective, that, that's going to bring more happiness and good conditions in our life if we just try to remember that and, and make that kind of the justify them and, and deepen them right, when they arise. Trying to keep a, a relatively happy mind, a content mind, not obs obsessing about more, 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 or obsessing about anything, really. Yeah, and then if we have an understanding of emptiness, trying to bring cherish others, right? trying to genuinely care about others, trying to remember to look at others, right? Yeah, and if we can keep that as our, yeah, our, our overall guideline in our life, things are, yeah, things are going to be much better in our lives, in general. We won't create so many messes, right? <laughs> right? And then, right? And then our relationships.
better about ourselves, you know, we feel like, okay, I'm not harming people, right, we're not going to have the, you know, the, the fires of regret. Yeah. So, and that's the general approach to dealing with problems, transforming problems. Don't create a bigger problem. Don't create more causes for negativity you know, for suffering in the future. Okay. So problems can help remind us to do positive actions, right? practice patience, practice generosity, practice kindness, and to avoid negative actions. Because the problem, you know, if we believe in karma, which is a big if, right? It's hard to believe in karma completely, but to the extent we believe in karma, the problems ultimately come from negative karma we've created in the past. Negative actions of body, speech, and mind. So if we respond to the problem with negative action of body, speech, and mind, what, guess what, right? We're creating more problems we can use problems to remind ourselves to not create more negative karma. I know for me, you know, when I'm dealing with something really hard, you know, when I remember karma, I think, oh, I never want to create the cause for this again. I never, never, never want to experience this again, right? I never want to create this cause. Right? If somebody's treating, right, treating me really badly or Dis, like dismissing or looking down on, you know, like, oh, I never want to treat anybody like that. Right? Oh, yeah, that's right. It really hurts to be treated like that. I don't want to treat anybody else like that. So we can use problems to remind ourselves, right, we don't want to create that kind of negative karma. Well, we don't want to use problems to yeah, rejoice in right if somebody else gets the promotion we want right we can try to rejoice in their promotion right rejoice in somebody else's happiness instead of problems to train in love and compassion, which I want to, I want to, I want to talk about at the end. After, I want to cover a few more verses of Shantideva, um, which really, right, which goes to practicing patience, right, so practicing virtue and avoiding the non-virtue.
genuinely unbothered by difficulties and harm and problems, right? Not the patience of pretending that everything is okay, right? Not the patience of suppressing our anger, right? But the patience of genuinely being able to let go of the agitation of the mind and being genuinely at peace, you know, with what's happening, which is a very difficult practice, right, of course. Um, but, yeah, so he starts off the chapter talking about the disadvantages of anger and hatred and how they really, yeah, they're, they're very poisonous for our mind stream. Right? Um, and create a lot of inference that we don't really want to have on our mind stream, yeah. Um, and then he talked about keeping your happy mind, right? That unhappiness is the fuel for anger, right? If, if when a difficulty arises, we let our mind get unhappy and more and more unhappy, that's the beginnings that's the fuel or the food for anger to be able to arise. Um, so we try to keep, you know, a happy, content mind, right? Not a fake happy mind, right? But, but you know, a mind that's that's not going to be dragged down by the difficulties. Or we try, right? We just try, because um, that will make it easier to overcome. Anger. If we can try to keep a relatively happy mind, yeah. I mean that that when I say that, you know, I think of you know these two friends of mine who are elderly and and, and experiencing a lot of health issues, right? And they're both just amazing people, right? They're just you know there's a certain inner light to them, an inner glow of them, because they're really using their difficulties to train their minds, and just not letting their mind gripe about everything that's wrong with their bodies, right? Because as soon as we start mentally griping about everything that's wrong, right, then our mental, right, we just get more and more unhappy, and then anger can easily arise from that mental state. Right? So the idea is to, to try to keep an evenness and a happiness of mind as best as we can. Yeah. Easier said than done. Um, right. And why be unhappy about something if it can be remedied? And what is the use of being unhappy about something if it cannot be remedied? So becoming unhappy or upset about things just doesn't do any good. Shantideva can be so, it's so logical and you know, annoyingly so. <laughs> yeah, right? But yeah, but we're talking about emotions. Anyway, but, so he's bringing us back to but what's the point? What's the use? What's the use of being unhappy? All right. 
Well, most of the time it's like tiny little things. If I watch my mind too, it's just like the norm are like tiny little things that happen and I can see my mind go into like a depressed state or something, you know, mm-hmm. like um, I hit a red light instead of when I wanted a green light mm-hmm. and there's like, oh, you know, like it's just like those little things all the time that if I watch my mind, that makes a huge difference because it's not always like often it's not the big huge things that are really hard it's the tiny little things are like oh my coffee's not hot enough like oh they put a little too much sweetener it's like all these tiny little Mm -hmm. things are like oh there's another spider web in my house (laughs) (laughs) you know like it's little things Uh that don't really matter very much yeah yeah that are prepping me to fly out of control when something bigger yeah, it's true, right? So I, so it's great, right, when we're able to maintain mindfulness, right, and just notice our mind, oh, my mind is becoming unhappy, right, because you're absolutely right, right? It's like the little things throughout the day, oh, I didn't sleep well, oh, you know, I'm grumpy, oh, it's a cloudy day, oh, I was hoping for a nice, right, oh, oh, you know, that person's Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the traffic is so slow. Oh, right. It's like, yeah, so whatever. the mind can just go through breathing. I know. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> basically what it is. Right. Oh, they're alive oh, and they're annoying. Oh, that. <laughs> in the store. Right? <laughs> oh, life is so annoying, right? And then, you know, before you know it, right, we're just grumpy because of all the little things, right? And... Yeah, and then, and then thing, I'm annoyed when people thing. complain are complaining, right. and, and that's what I'm complain. doing in my head all day long <laughs> about every little thing. <laughs> right. All those, so, uh, all those small things have the potential to show you the nature of mind or yourself. Yeah. 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 So mindfulness is not enough. You have to apply emptiness to just just like it has the potential to create suffering for you has equals of potential to teach you the nature of mind. So yeah. once we make that the habit, we do that thousands of times every day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, if, if, you know, if we have some understanding of emptiness or, yeah, nature of mind, I mean, that's the best antidote to everything, I mean, to almost everything, yeah. Um, so whatever antidote we have, Yeah, if we can be in emptiness 24-7, you know, in that's in it, right? Yeah, eventually. Eventually, right? So... Shanti Deva talked about how everything becomes easier with acquaintance and yeah, the good qualities of suffering, you know, developing compassion, overcoming arrogance, etc. Yeah. Okay, and then last time we talked about, you know, Shanti Deva says, as I do not become angry with great sources of suffering such as jaundice or other illnesses, right? Why be angry with animate? They too are provoked by conditions. 
Yeah, so we tend to be angrier at people, right? Who treat us badly or inconsiderately than, right, when we're experiencing something like illness or bad weather, right? I mean, we may not like it, you know, being ill in bad weather, but we're not as likely to get angry, or if we do get angry, we don't stay angry for very long. <laughs> it's like, oh, stupid weather, and then we move on, right? Um, but if it's a person who's, right, rude or <laughs> stupid or, right, and then we tend to cogitate about it more, right, thinking that somehow they purposely, intentionally is doing something to make my life more difficult. Mm. But they did. <laughs> <laughs> and so this, these, these, these particular verses are saying that they're just, you know, they're just a result of God's different conditions as well. Yeah? Illnesses and bad weather are a result of God's different conditions. And people misbehaving are a result of causes and conditions. Right? They're not inherently bad, they're not inherently rude, they're not, there's not even inherently existent person there at all, right? It's just a constantly changing body and a constantly changing mind that is a result of causes and conditions. And there isn't this, you know, kind of permanent person in there, in that body and mind, that is the rude person or the bad person or that, right, the inconsiderate person. Right? It's just a constantly changing body and a constantly changing mind that's a result of many causes and conditions coming together. Everything is governed by other factors, which in turn are governed by other factors. And in this way, nothing governs itself. Having understood this, I shall not become angry with phenomena that are like apparitions. So the people you know, who are causing us problems This is a big subject. So, so for what, whatever understanding of emptiness we have, there's not the bad person there. There's a there's a mind and a body that's a result of many causes and conditions coming together. Nothing more substantial. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, the, the, the most difficult person in your life is a result of, right, that there's a constantly changing, right, there's a body that came from a sperm and an egg and karma that, you know, ingested food and breathed air and, constantly changing elements, 
constantly changing, you know, from moment to moment, just a result of many causes and conditions, and then, right, result of the education and the culture and habits in the mind, etc. And that's it. There's nothing more than that. Constantly a bunch of atoms and a bunch of moments of consciousness. And then we impute, label, person on that, or root person <laughs> on that constantly changing, constantly changing atoms and moments of consciousness. Um, oh, I skipped, I skipped a few verses I don't want to talk about. So, so when, right, when people misbehave, right, it's a result of causes and conditions. Right? It's a result of their pain, their unhappiness, their challenging circumstances, their attachment, their anger, their jealousy. And the disturbing emotions do not arise through choice. Jealousy doesn't arise because we decide, oh, I'd like to be jealous now. Right? Or anger doesn't arise because people think, oh, I want to be angry. Anger arises because, you know, especially someone who's enraged, right? They're, they're experiencing something that's unbearable for them. There's a pain that they can't bear, and that results in anger. I mean, jealousy, right? This, when you think about what's underneath jealousy is pain. to see that there's pain underneath, but we can see that there's dissatisfaction underneath the attachment, right? Needing this because I'm feeling dissatisfied. Like when I when I crave chocolate, I look at my mind and notice, okay, that's my mind is dissatisfied right now. And so I need a fix. <laughs> I have some chocolate. And then, right, and when I'm in a yeah, and then I'm in a kind of a blah mood, then I want right chocolate, and then I want ice cream, and then I want right, right, like there's this like that's when like the junk food, like I really want junk food, is because my mind is just feeling blah, right? It's not when I'm happy that I'm mm -hmm. like needing a chocolate fix. Yeah, so. Yeah, so when people are misbehaving, when there's the shenanigans, it's because of some pain or some dissatisfaction, which causes a disturbing emotion to arise. So it's not that it's through their choice, that it's under their control. 
Shanti gave us verse, if things were brought into being by choice, then since no one wishes to suffer, then suffering would not occur to any embodied creature. So we talked about that last time. That if we had control, if we had choice, then we would never suffer. But these disturbing emotions, they just take over our minds because we haven't developed control, full control over our minds yet. So then the next verse, Shantideva kind of builds on this point. So through not being careful, people harm themselves with thorns and other things. Right? So when people aren't careful, we harm ourselves, right? We stub our toe, we run into things like bruises, right? <laughs> right? Just through not being careful. And for the sake of for the sake of obtaining women and the like, they become obsessed and deprive themselves of food. So, so this is an attachment of, I mean, a, an example of a strong attachment or a strong desire, right? An obsession, obsession for more and more money, an obsession for more and more power, obsession for, right, another partner, right? Obsession, right? So out of this strong attachment, people become obsessed and even deprive themselves of food or, yeah, don't take care of themselves. Right, through obsession with work, we can <laughs> skip healthy meals, right? We don't take care of our bodies, right? So through the force of a strong attachment, through the force of a strong mental affliction, We do things that are not good for us, when we say it that way. And then, there are some who injure themselves. Yeah. Actually, what is that? There are some who harm themselves by hanging themselves, leaping from cliffs, eating poison and incompatible food, and unmeritorious deeds. So then there are even right, these who harm themselves, right? Right, by killing themselves, right? Or cutting themselves by eating opioids, right, taking drugs that are killing them, and food, <laughs> food that's not good for us, fried food, sweets, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then, <laughs> I'm blank. And unmeritorious deeds, so negative actions, right? So, so we 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 do harm to ourselves in these great and lesser and more subtle ways, right? Through 
creating negative karma, through, you know, hurting ourselves, through eating, eating things that are bad for us, through, yeah, etc. Not taking care of ourselves. So, if, when under the influence of a disturbing emotion, people will even kill their treasured selves, how can they not be expected to cause harm to the bodies of other living beings? So this verse I find, this whole kind of train of thought I find, is very powerful in this, right? So, so we become angry because we think that people should be able to control themselves. People shouldn't, shouldn't act do such stupid things. People shouldn't be rude. People shouldn't be inconsiderate. People shouldn't, right? Do this. But through this, what Shanti Deva is saying, he's illustrating in many ways how people even hurt themselves and even will kill themselves, right? Who do they cherish more than anyone? Is themselves. And they hurt themselves in great and small ways and even will kill themselves under the influence of a disturbing emotion. So how do we expect that they not, they shouldn't harm others, right? If they're willing to harm themselves, of course, to show you the power of a disturbing emotion right? and the lack of yeah, choice or control we have over those disturbing emotions. Right? And just, yeah, I mean, the, the power, the power of people's pain, the power of people's suffering, the power of disturbing emotions is what propels all of the harm in the world. So, yeah, so the deeper we understand this, right, and the deeper it goes into our hearts, the more room there is why people like His Holiness the Dalai Lama he has so much patience and so much compassion right even for the Chinese right for the Chinese government who's yeah anyway done unspeakable things to his people Yeah, and this is the basis for the unbelievable compassion that, you know, many, yeah, I don't know about many, but, you know, strong Tibetan 
practitioners have. And there's this story that Dalai Lama often tells about this monk that worked in the Patala um, in Tibet before Dalai Lama escaped. Um, and then when Dalai Lama escaped, but he wouldn't, he, this, this monk didn't escape right away. He was in prison for many years and tortured and all that. And then finally he was released and came out and he was in Dhamsala with His Holiness. And, and one day His Holiness was, you know, Dalai Lama was talking to this monk and the monk said to Dalai Lama, Oh, you know, there were there were a few times I was in grave danger. And Dalai Lama said, Oh, grave danger, what kind of grave danger? Thinking, he says, you know, I was thinking, you know, danger for his life. And this monk said, Oh, I was in grave danger of losing my compassion for my captors. things to you uh, can only come through understanding their suffering right? and understanding that they're creating causes for more suffering for themselves. So, yeah, so if we can remember, right, whoever's us badly is suffering and if we can care that they're suffering right then there's room for compassion in us or at least anger is less likely to arise intentionally makes a huge difference to whether we get angry or not, right? Bless you. Right? Like if, if a driver is driving so slowly on the road, right? <laughs> right? They're driving 10 miles an hour on the road, and then you look and you see, oh, it's some little old man who probably can barely see. And, you know, and you forgive them, right? It's like, oh, okay, well, yeah. Yeah, that's probably better that you're driving to, right? I mean, it's like, but if it's, you know, some cocky person, right? It's, it's different, right? If you think they're doing it intentionally. You know, when it's really hard to, uh -huh. to take that, to get that understanding, is that when you are in, you know, a Dharma Center, right, and you're with people who 
just like you have been practicing for six months, six years, whatever, um, and somebody, and it could be you, does really a jerky thing, or says something really insensitive, and it's really difficult to, for me, to go, so you've been practicing for how long? <laughs> you know, you've been sitting for how long? You've been reading and studying for how long? And you can like do that? And so it's the you shouldn't thing comes up in that context. And it's just like it's like where have you been? And then of course <laughs> then the question is is where have I been? That you know, I get the righteous indignation mm -hmm. as opposed to to feeling compassion for the yeah. Yeah. the pain that produced it, but it's the context. Mm -hmm. The context being, you know, like the middle of the practice or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the dangers in the Dharma community is to have these expectations of other Dharma practitioners that, okay, you're practicing, so therefore you should be perfect. No. Yeah, and the thing is, they're just people, I mean, they're people who have disturbing notions. And, and I notice over the years looking at my mind and being humbled by, by you, know, and, you know, the more honest I am with myself about where I am in the mind and how hard it is to overcome those habits. Right? And that we all have areas that we're better at and areas that we're more, are, are areas of difficulty. And, uh, and I just see, you know, how imperfect I am and the more I forgive myself, you know, I give myself a, you know, I'm, the more honest I am with myself and the more forgiving I am of myself for, for being so imperfect, mm -hmm. then I can cut other people some slack. It's like, well, yeah, you know, am I, am I completely free from anger? Do I never ever get angry? You know, that would be nice, but no, you know, no, you know, I've got, you know, my challenging areas and, you know, am I free of any of the mental afflictions completely? Well, you know, I remember <coughs> when I was studying, you know, in, in my years of intensive study, there's, there's one, one, the first text we studied was Maitreya's Abhisamayamankara, the Ornament of Clear Realizations, which goes through the path in immense detail and there was this point when I realized oh you're you're completely free from mental afflictions the disturbing emotions forever you know and the seeds at the tenth bodhisattva I mean the eighth bodhisattva ground at the eighth bodhisattva bhumi after you've directly realized emptiness yeah. and familiarized yourself with it for a countless eon, 
then you're free from disturbing emotions forever. And I remember thinking, huh, I'm expecting myself to be free from disturbing emotions. And yeah, and actually, realistically, we're going to have them, you know, on increasingly subtle levels, right? But we're going to have them for a long time. And, you know, just having a realistic expectation about that can be hugely helpful for forgiving ourselves and as well as others. And then I look around at other practitioners I mean, who've been doing things for a long time, and, and a lot of practitioners are much better than I am in certain areas, right? Like, I have my certain strengths, you know, that, you know, I'm pretty good at, and I have certain areas that I'm not good at, but other people are, are better, you know, and it's just, you know, it's just, yeah, so then, And then we also, we all have our baggage from childhood, right? Like those areas in which are more difficult for us. Yeah. So, yeah. Because I have, you know, someone who I've been very close to who's been in, you know, long retreat, deep retreat. I'm an incredible practitioner, you know, has been in deep retreat for, you know, over 10 years. His stuff. He has his stuff. And if I focus on his stuff, I think, well, what, what's he been doing? But then I look at other stuff. You know, <laughs> that, you know he's pretty amazing in all these other ways. And he has his areas of being stuck, right? Just like we all do. Yeah. So I think we could all do ourselves a favor and, yeah, let go of those high expectations. Other Dharma practitioners, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's it's great that we're even trying. Yeah, and overcoming those habits, those beginnings of lifetimes of habits, is not an easy thing. Yeah. And just giving up chocolate is a hard thing, right? Giving up disturbing emotions, wow. classic ones I find particularly powerful. So this is this is a scenario where somebody hits us with a stick. Right? So if I become angry with the wielder, the wielder of the stick, although I'm actually harmed by his stick, then since he too is secondary being in turn incited by hatred, I should be angry with his hatred instead. So here, the scenario is I'm being hit by the stick, but I'm not angry at the stick, I'm angry at the person wielding the stick. So if I'm not angry at the direct cause of my pain, right, which is the stick, but by the root cause or the the wielder of the 
then similarly, since the person is actually under the control of a disturbing emotion, right? It's not the person so much as the the anger in that person, right? The anger driving that person. Then if I have to be angry, then I should be ang angry at the anger, right? Or angry at the hatred, or anger, angry at the attachment, or angry at right whatever the disturbing emotion is that's driving that person, right? Instead of being angry at the person, being angry at the greed, being angry at the selfishness, being angry at the the hostility. Yeah. And that can be helpful, right, because the energy of anger is difficult to just dispel the energy of anger, but we could at least direct the anger toward the disturbing emotion, which can help our Yeah, so, so the next verses are talking about how um, whatever harm we're receiving is a result of karma that we've created, negative karma that we've created. So it is the fault of the childish that they are hurt. For although they do not wish to suffer, they are greatly attached to its causes. So why should they be angry with others? Right? So if we really believe in karma, then, yeah, then we see that I'm only being harmed, I'm only suffering because of negative actions I've created in the past. And if I hadn't created those negative actions, then I wouldn't experiencing the painful result. So having been instigated by my own actions, those who cause me harm come into being. Right, due to the negative actions yeah, that I'm doing, that I've done, then the harmer comes into being. And if by these actions they should fall into hell, surely isn't it I who am destroying them? So Shanti is totally turning this on its head, right? So, so if they're creating a negative action, that's going to cause them future suffering. So me being conditioned for that isn't I'm bad for them. I am creating a condition for them to fall into suffering in the future. Independence upon them, I purify, right, if I practice patience. Independence upon them, I purify many negativities. 
by patiently accepting the harms that they cause, but in dependence upon me, they will fall into hellish pain for a very long time. And since I am causing harm to them and they are benefiting me, why, unruly mind, do you become angry in such a mistaken manner? So that's another way to look at it. so dang much talking. <laughs> um, I wanted to make sure I opened it up at the end here. So I will. So how are people finding these teachings? Are they what you know, are they helpful and what, you know, what are any resistances that you might have or what are the challenges and putting into effect or any other comments or questions that you have. Is this practical? Is it doable? Very practical, very durable, doable. Lots of affirmation in what I'm hearing. Some of the many of the teachings were not the first time I'd heard them, but something new seems to ring true every time. Right? Mm -hmm. And so it's gonna be a brilliant book if we thought to eat and have a new opportunity to hear these teachings and remind myself and hear something new. Probably the the thing that's shifted the most suffering out of my life was recognizing that that construct of an angry person sitting across from me is just like me. They're egocentric. They're not even thinking about me when they're doing that thing. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And that just helps me to see them as something worthy of compassion. It's always being stirred up. Mm -hmm. Not always good at remembering it, but probably 75% better than I used to be, mm -hmm. which is huge because I was angry all the time, you know? Yeah. Great. So it's just really nice to, to hear and to hear the other people and what they have to say in class and get those affirmations. Yeah, it's nice seeing <coughs> progress, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not easy, but when we keep working at it, yeah, there's definitely progress. And we do need to hear it again and again. Right? I was just thinking this week on like yeah there's this knowledge that we have here right the dharma knowledge that we have here uh, yeah don't don't get angry yeah have compassion for others right cherish others more than myself right all this knowledge and then there's the reality of where we are and kind of what
what our default mode is, right? And especially right when things are difficult, right? Or when we're tired, right? The default mode tends to kick in before, right, the idealistic knowledge that we have, <laughs> right? Yeah, and how it takes, right, really takes time and repetition and reflection and meditation to change our default mode, right? It's not something like that, right? It doesn't change like that. And I notice for me, like, some of the deep, my default reactions are the default reactions <coughs> that I developed when I was a kid, right? Like, go, you know, protect myself and, right, put up walls, right? It's like, Instead of opening up and, you know, right? It's hard to change that default mode, right? So in teachings and reflecting and practicing, yeah, gradually that default mode can change. And that's part of the purpose of doing the retreat, too, to deepen, right? Get that. Knowledge that's right here and bring it down here and into the pores so that it becomes our default way of being. But it doesn't, it only happens over time and through, through meditation and all that. So that's part of what we'll be doing in the newest retreat is having the, you know, unplugging and having the luxury of. Focusing more on our practice, focusing more on developing right that inner wellness. Right? And it's such a luxury to do retreat. It's such such a wonderful opportunity. Yeah. And we'll try. And, and the metaphors, the stories, I find really, that's why Shantideva is so helpful, is those stories stick. Those metaphors, the, the one of the stick, I mean, it really sticks. Mm -hmm. You read that once and it just is there. Yeah. And that's, for me, easier to take that story and apply it than to take some abstract concept and mm -hmm. apply it. Mm -hmm. yeah, so the the metaphors in that are in particularly these teachings are um, like really really a great way to teach. Mm -hmm. They just really they just really bring it home. They bring it into life, mm -hmm. and as opposed to just making it a pure intellectual. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. 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 yeah the image of the stick just kind of. Yeah, yeah, it stays yeah. with you. Right. You know, and a lot of the Tibetan yeah. teachings are like that. I mean, they're just, yeah, they're really good. Yeah, yeah. Santi Dave was something. <laughs> yeah. I like the way, uh, I like the chance it, it gives me when, when, I, uh, when I'm trying to be mindful and try to keep, uh, uh, try to keep my reactions, uh, uh, try to, try to, Stay foregrounded as far as far as not reacting. It gives it gives me a, it gives me a chance to uh, 
to grab my attention that I sit that I sit in the morning, because otherwise I'll just uh, it'll, I'll have that much less reaction time to uh, this month. I've been finding uh, uh, stuff going on. It's not like a huge problem, but uh, at work, but it's just like unsettled, unsettled. Uh, uh, things are unsettled and. Uh, The problem's not going to get solved, it, 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 well, uh, such as it is. It's not going to get solved, but it just gave me a chance to um, to take it easy on myself, to have some compassion for myself, which is my which is my go-to word uh, for for the month in the morning. I, I try to set uh, set an intention, have compassion towards others and myself, and it gives me that space to uh, uh, to not go down the rabbit hole and to start just like. Uh, Worrying, I mean, like like a little dog worries, something like that. You know, basically same same uh, word. But uh, uh, I appreciate this the space I get for not for not having to engage in something uh, from with a default mm -hmm. with a default settings. It really does help. Yeah, it's a precious thing having a Dharma center and. Yeah, so I'm cogitating that, but yeah. So we'll, uh, did the letter go out? The, yeah, okay, the book. letter, okay. Um, so we'll start on the 28th, you know, with some sort of opening circle, and then we'll do, so, so the main two practices that I, I really wanted to focus on in this retreat are, I don't the shamatha and meditating on the nature, the space-like nature of mind. If you know, if people are ready for that, um, as well as the heart stuff, compassion, compassion for oneself, as a basis for compassion for others. Right. So we'll do um, bodhicitta meditations as well as self-compassion meditations. Um, as well as meditation on the space-like nature of mind. Um, you know, and I just, and the reason I chose those two is because I just find that those two are immensely needed in this modern, busy, hyper-competitive world where we have so, all right, we're so bombarded by thoughts, plans, etc. And so meditating on the space-like nature of mind, bring space in the mind during meditation, and then also we'll have some exercises to, to try to remember that space in between sessions. Um, I mean, it's not a lot of time, so I don't know how deeply we'll get into it, but at least, you know, we'll try. We'll get some imprints and some practice in there. And then the heart stuff, right, it's just, I mean, there's so much you know, so many things happening in the world that can cause the heart to close, right? You do heart cause the heart to close, and and you know, and that's just that just makes life so much more difficult and relationships so much more difficult. 
it saps the joy in our life. You know, the heart needs to stay open and moist and caring for us to be like really fully engaged in life in a happy, joyful, connected way. Yeah, so, and I just find that the heart practices we just have to do over and 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 over again. Yeah. So we'll do um, kind of those two practices. Also, we'll probably do some Vajrasattva purification in the evenings. The purification is so important. Um, purify obstacles and negativity gates and things like that. As well as the New Year's, the New Year's fire puja seems to be very important to the tradition. Mm-hmm. And I never stay <laughs> up until midnight anymore. <laughs> I don't but I will, I will try. I don't know. I mean, I was thinking, I, I, to throw this out, like, would people be, would it be awful for people if we celebrated midnight, like at 11 o'clock, or 10.30? No, it would be amazing. Personally, though, but I go to bed at 9.30 every night, so... You can do it with the East Coast at 9. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking. I mean, it's just a label, right? It's just a convention. This That would shift our perspective. That would have been a Hey, empty this. we win on so, I mean, because I mean, it just feels long to make people stay yeah, up until midnight. Sometimes, Sometimes it is actually. Fine. Typically, we find I think ten's fine. Ten? Like for me, it's torture trying to stay up until midnight. Just, just. Yeah, for just. I think usually these these um, end at nine, right? The days before, three days before the end at nine or nine thirty. Um, I don't know what Ami would do, but I, you know, I like to end at eight thirty or nine at the latest. I am. Mm-hmm. No reason to. Yeah, I think it's up to you. So, okay, we I did mean, retreat with Elaine one year. Um, was it last year? Or the year before? Two years ago. And um, sh- the way she did it was, we I think we were done by 10 or 10.30. We had like a New Year's celebration. It was lovely. and yeah, I, I, I mean, it was a Vajrapani, but if, nobody complained. If, you, if we end at 9 all other nights, and then we just do the ceremony at 10 or 10.30, it, it's not like, it doesn't create the impression that we rushed it. At the same time. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, typically it's ready that there's an afternoon break during which we find volunteers to set up the puja. So it's just okay. sitting out there ready. Okay. So we can Great. pretty much do okay. it at any time that you are prepared for us to do it. Yeah. All right. Great. Because I want to Usually we have strict silence, so are you going to have Yeah, silence? it'll be silence. Yeah. I mean, between sessions will be strict silence, you know. During sessions we might do some dyads or some, you know, question answer so kind of thing. Maybe, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like to do it that way. I haven't figured out. I mean, I haven't decided for sure if, if it, we mean, should do the do the question. Written, you've always done, done it. Written. I mean, it's nice. We've done both. Uh-huh. One year, Lama had a, one, the last year, last year I think it was, Lama was very much more open in the discussion during class. 
mm. in between class, it was totally, but she asked mm -hmm. us a few questions. Now, we weren't necessarily asking questions. Mostly we write them down and give them to her, but she would open it up a little bit. But it's whatever you want to do. Okay. Yeah, no one's going to rebel. You can, yeah. you can yeah, totally I mean, do what yeah. you think is right, and it'll be great. Yeah. You know, the names that I'm seeing on the list, many of them are familiar. And yeah. Nobody's going to come to go, well, what are we doing with this label? <laughs> no, right, well, I hope not, because, I mean, I'm, obviously it's going to be different yeah. with me than uh, with Ami. Um, but I also want to respect the traditions, especially the really important part of As long the as your s'mores were good. Yeah, the s'mores <laughs> seem to be non-negotiable. So, okay. well, we'll do that. It's okay. That's the real reason for the puja, so we've got the fire for the s'mores. <laughs> yeah, and so what else did I want to say about the retreat? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Ami always had you guys bring journals, you know, and so I think that would be a good thing as well. Bring your own cushions. Oh, okay. For class. Bring, bring your own cushions. And, you know, and so we'll try to find a good balance, right? I don't want to push too much, you know. It'll be, hopefully it'll be spacious enough. It won't be, you know, we'll find the right amount of meditation that's right for people. So it's not going to be too, you know, too much for people. But... You know, we'll probably push the boundary too, you know, because we only progress by pushing our limits. So, but, you know, Ami was very clear with me. Remember, it's like, don't make it too strict. <laughs> I mean, too, too much, right? It's like, the, you have busy lives, right? So you need to sleep enough and, and all of that. Yeah, so, so, I mean, really think of the retreat as being like an act of kindness yourself and others, right? Just, yeah, not like some, something we have to achieve, right? An act of kindness and generosity and an opportunity to go deeper in our practice. So, yeah. I think, yeah, that's pretty much what I thought to cover. That's enough. And it might, I mean, it might even be too much, but you know, we'll kind of we'll, we'll feel it out and see what feels right for people. Have you guys done bodhicitta meditation um, in the retreats before? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I've yeah, done many bodhicitta. Like Donglin and Donglin and equalizing self and others and kindness of yes. others and yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. We did an entire series on shadow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ami does a lot more of the self-compassion. Yeah. We did a whole retreat on, a whole yeah, we did a retreat whole on. Jungian retreat last year. Okay. Yeah. But, like, the she, first one, I think it was, was all on, like, self-compassion and loving. She built each year on the next, but, like, the first 40 years that we did that. It was really awesome, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, my background is it's much more deeply Tibetan Buddhism. Yeah. So, so it'll probably be more traditional than Ami's retreat. Yeah. Sounds like a good combo. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. We'll just do our best. Yeah. yeah. Come with a good motivation. And yeah. I think it'll be nice. 
Chunky with Dave Reverses once again. May all beings everywhere, plagued by suffering of the body and mind, obtain an ocean of happiness and joy by virtue of our merits. May no living creature suffer, commit evil, or ever fall ill. May no one be afraid or belittled with a mind weighed back down by depression. For as long as space remains, for as long as sentient beings remain, may I too remain to dispel the miseries of the world. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>